0: Welcome to the Resilient Faith at Work podcast. I'm Dr. Chip Roper, your host, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Ken Kennard. Hi everyone. And Sarah Evers. Hello. This episode features our conversation on the Happy Hour webinar series, and we're delighted to add it to our podcast feed. Sarah, tell us more about this conversation.
1: Sure. Well, vaccine mandates are making work complicated for everyone. How should Christ followers respond? our team dives into this topic on this episode and we hope it's going to provide a helpful perspective and even equip you with the ability to navigate our current climate with grace so let's get to that conversation
0: this whole issue of vaccines and vaccine mandates has um, kind of risen a bit higher in everybody's consciousness because of some steps the government has taken to, uh, quote, mandate vaccines uh, for companies that employ 100 people. So they, they can do it for federal employees and federal contractors already, and um, they've increased the, kind of the pressure on people to decide. And uh, at least as far as the Wall Street Journal is concerned that there isn't, that actually hasn't been enacted into law yet. Um, and you can look up a column called Mandate Madness uh, in the Wall Street Journal it's not been enacted into law yet that the companies actually have to do this. And even when it is, the Labor Department is talking about saying you either need to be vaccinated or you need to take a test every week and uh, have a negative test every week. So it's a little different than some of the things I've heard uh, in the press. But um, be that as it may, companies are getting out ahead of this. They already were uh, some very large companies uh, mandated vaccines uh, for their returning workforce uh, months and months ago. Um, but So it's just pushing this up to a a head on the kind of, on a global level. And where it's kind of coming home uh, for us at VOCA is like we're running into some people who think, um, some who think, well, everybody should be vaccinated. What's the big deal? And others who think, um, well, I'm not gonna do that and I may be losing my job. And so, um, you know, we serve all kinds of different people with different perspectives and we're seeing all of this and it's kind of out there. So today we thought we would just jump into it a little bit and talk a little bit about what's not working in the way that we tend to be responding to this, and maybe a kind of a different way to approach topics like this, where there's passionate and personal, and often politicized disagreement uh, on a topic like this. Um, so a couple of, couple of things that I just wanted to say up front in terms of some disclaimers. The first is. Um, we're really not going to be advocating uh, whether or not you should get vaccinated personally. Um, we think that's a matter of your personal choice and conscience. Um, and you know, I got full disclosure. Uh, my wife and I and our family were comfortable getting vaccinated, and we did. Um, so, uh, but we still have lots of friends and family and people we really love who have not, and so and still love them very much and spend time with them and, uh, and people we work with. So. That's where we're. That's where we're coming from. Um, so, but we're not going to tell you what to do uh, about getting vaccinated or not. I actually don't really think that's the main issue. At least that's not the one I felt compelled to speak about today. Uh, the second thing I wanted to say is that no matter how you fall on this issue, everybody is being affected negatively by it. Uh, it's making our work lives more complicated. So, if you're a person that does not feel comfortable, that you feel like this is a dangerous thing for you to do for your health or for other reasons, um, you know, then you're thinking, well, I can't get either. I have to get vaccinated and do something that I think is going to be dangerous, or I can't go to work. And so you're faced with a terrible dilemma, and so that's really, really complicating and hard. If you're a person who has been vaccinated, uh, and you're, you may find that people in your workforce are leaving because they won't get vaccinated. There's lots of police who are not going to get vaccinated, and nurses who aren't going to get vaccinated. There's even soldiers who aren't getting vaccinated, so. You could be one of those people who's left with a lot more work to do uh, by colleagues who didn't feel comfortable doing this and were either put on leave or left. So this is making work more complicated for all of us. And and an issue like this where sometimes it's hard to find common ground, I think it's really important for us to realize that, that um, people are making decisions based on what they feel in terms of their conscience, what's best for them. and and, And the whole issue is just making life a lot more complicated for all of us. Uh, the third thing that I, I have as an assumption um, is that as, as for those of us who follow Christ, who have a personal relationship with Him that shapes the way we view our lives and our behavior and life and eternity and everything else, I think we should be different. You know, I think we should handle things like this in a way uh, that is distinct. Uh, there's a phrase that uh, the Apostle Paul used. He was writing to the Philippians and he said, I want you to do everything without grumbling and complaining, and that's really easy, right? I know that, but no, I want you to do everything without grumbling and complaining, and if you do, you'll shine like stars, and I just, that idea of having a distinct level of poise and graciousness, I I just don't see very much of it, Uh, and what I, around me, and the people that I see on, you know, social media, and the news, and all this kind of thing, on any, any sides of things like this, and I feel like it's one of the things I grieve, frankly. I just feel like there's a lack of, of a grown-up approach to this in some ways that I feel like it's missing. So, those are those are just some caveats uh, as we jump into this and begin. Um, and then I, I want to tell you, I want to just talk a little bit about what I call three sub-Christian approaches to issues like this uh, that we face in our workplaces. And I'm going to bring Ken and Sarah on. We'll talk a little bit about the problem and then push a little bit further. Uh, on towards some kind of an idea of like, well, what do we do with this? Um, so the first sub, there's three of them. I'll just tell you what they are. Um, I think these are all sub-Christian. I think they're all out there in the atmosphere all the time these days. And and I think um, I'll, I'll, I'll unpack them briefly. So the first one is leading with your rights, leading with your rights. The second one is yelling at the evil out there. It's yelling at the evil out there and the third thing is the orphan mindset the orphan mindset so leading with your rights you know we're all many of us i mean most of you are probably americans you were you brought up here we all have unalienable rights uh it's been beaten into us uh and drip fed into us uh since since we were young and it's true we do have rights that are you know legally constitutionally established so forth but you don't see many god followers leading with demanding their rights I know that's really hard to hear. We don't like it. We're like allergic. You just allergic. I'm surprised that the, that there's still people left on this webinar, but you just don't see it. Every now and then, Apostle Paul would say, "I have certain rights as a Roman citizen," or something like that. More often than not, he would say, "I know what my rights are, but I don't demand them because I, I, I want to further the cause of Christ. I want to do things differently, and um, I think that, you know, when we always lead, um, it's always lead with." I'm not getting what I deserve. I'm not getting what I I my rights. It it's just it's it just feels sub-Christian. I think it's a sub-Christian way of thinking. We need to step back from it a little bit. And we need to ask ourselves a question in Philippians 2 it talks about Jesus giving up his rights and to come for us, to come rescue us. And it says we're supposed to have the same attitude as he had that we're willing to forego our rights, we're willing to sacrifice our sense sometimes of comfort, maybe even safety. Uh, for the well-being of others i think those those are very very counter-cultural ways of interacting today i don't think most of us want to do that i don't think you know most christians we don't want to sacrifice anything for anybody else we want it all to be easy convenient and feel good and just because it feels bad doesn't mean it's something we're supposed to do i'm just saying that there's a there's a visceral reaction we often have to giving up our rights and i think that visceral reaction is sub-christian second idea is yelling at the evil out there One of my favorite quotes is by the philosopher Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was a Russian dissident. He was imprisoned in Siberia for many, many years. He was a fine Christian thinker. And uh, in the Gulag Archipelago, he has this quote that he he talks about how we always want good and evil to be an us-and-them proposition. And they're bad and we're good. It always works out that way, by the way, right? You know, when we talk about who's good and who's bad, it's suddenly—it's isn't amazing how somebody else is always bad and we're always the ones that are good. And um, let me read you this quote because I think it's it's worth sharing the whole thing. He says the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor even between political parties, uh, but it goes right through every human heart. Even within hearts overwhelmed by evil, uh, there's some some good is retained. And um, even in the best hearts, there remains an uprooted small, a non-uprooted small corner of evil. So he's basically saying, you know, nobody's 100% right, and nobody's 100% wrong. Now, if you're a Christian, you know there's wrong in you. Like that's the whole—that's how the whole story gets started. You realize that there's a brokenness and a rebellion and an error and a foolishness in your thinking, and you need to be rescued and forgiven and transformed. And you need wisdom from outside of you. And there's a humility, I think, that 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 should often translate to. But when we get really, really sucked up into the us and them, uh, it's real simple, it's real binary, we miss that. And so that's that's that yelling at the evil out there. And then the third idea is, um, the third idea is this idea of the orphan mindset that the whole world, my whole world, is spinning out of control and I have to fix it. You know, it's, I'm all, basically act like we're alone and we have to figure this out in terms of some, some action we're going to take. And we're acting like we don't, have children, we don't have a Heavenly Father who, as Jesus said in Matthew 6, knows what we need and invites us into a different way of living where instead of always fighting for ourselves and taking care of ourselves and stressing out about whether we're getting what we deserve that we trust him to take care of us and all of these things i think i mean i see it in myself when i see trends going in different directions that i feel like threaten my sense of well-being and security and so forth i also see it out there i just don't feel like we're talking about some of the underlying spiritual softness perhaps that's that that feeds into the the fear and the inability to talk to each other about things about which we disagree. So, th- those are some ideas that I have about kind of sub- some sub-Christian ways of dealing with this. So, I've sort of set up a little bit about what we're talking about today, and I've said, "Here's what's not working." Ken and Sarah, let's 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 process that a little bit. What do you guys? What are you guys... I'm almost afraid to ask you, you, but what do you think? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I think this is, I think this is hard. I think this is hard. I think it's a touchy issue. Um, and even as you're talking, I could feel different emotional responses arising within me.
2: Yeah, I, I feel the same. And um, I, you, you know, the Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote in particular raised a question for me, Chip, because, you know, we, we, we think of ourselves as right, the opinions and, and perspective we have are right. That's why we chose them, right? That's why we hold them, because we're doing what we think is right. And yet you're bringing up this idea that maybe there's evil inside of us. Of course, all Christians would say, we're, we're living in a broken world and I'm part of the problem. That's how we got here, like you said. But it raises the question, how do we know then if what we think is right is part of that evil or part of the good? How do we know what God wants us to do? Um would Jesus sign up for the vaccine? <laughs> what would Jesus do, right? Or maybe a better question is what would Jesus have us do and it might not always be the same response. But I'd be interested if if you could push even farther on like how how are we supposed to discern if we if we're willing to step back and say, "Okay, maybe maybe I I have not been um you know, completely pure and right and good in my response to this, how, how can I step back and figure out what would the better response be? Maybe, maybe that's leading up to where you wanna go, but I'm just curious about that.
0: No, that's a great question. I, and my, my first, I think we have to stop and say, okay, where am I, what's my default?
2: What's,
0: where's my, where am I, what's my starting point? What's my default? What's my, what's my predisposition to? Um, so that's kind of where I'm headed, or this is what I want to decide, or this is where I, what I think. And then I think we have to ask ourselves, well, where does that come from? You know, what's what's feeding it? And um, so that's the second thing, I think. Um, I do think, I would say, well, it'd be nice to get all the facts, but boy, that's so hard, right? Because you, especially with this particular topic, you can find all kinds of different versions of the facts. Um, you know, I, I think for me, because we all have to make a decision about this, right? We all have to.
2: Many decisions.
0: Right. I think I think some of that's come, some of my sense of peace or whatever about where I've how I've landed has just come from the the people I know who know things that I can. So it's not it's not um, it's firsthand information rather than um, clickbait information mm-hmm. um, and. But we don't all have access to that so I you know I think that that's that's a challenge but I just just for I think it gets into this idea of part of it is self-awareness what do I what am I what's my predisposition and why 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 is it that way a second gets into the idea I think of community and we need uh, community to talk these things through and process these things through and figure out um, you know can we get some alternative sources of information that we can really can we find information that we can really trust I think to make you know decisions like this. Um, so so that, that's my first reaction to that question. Um, I, I mean, I think, do we pray? I mean, it's an interesting thing to think about, though, and I'm not sure what I, what, what I would say about it. I don't know what my answer is. I don't really remember. But do we pray about this? Like, do we pray about should I get the vaccine or not? Do we pray about things like that? My gut is actually we don't. We just react with one disposition or another. We don't slow down. Um, we don't view it as a a decision we need to make before God as much, perhaps? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just guessing. what you look like you're gonna say something.
1: Well, that orphan mindset has sort of been rolling around um, in my head since you talked about it. You you mentioned the um, intense anger, um, or even the, the the fear motivation when we, we lash out at people, or we have this emotional response. And it, it made me think back to um, my church's sermon series on the Fruit of the Spirit. And my, when my pastor preached about um, self-control, they mentioned the holy pause that happens uh, between an in, inciting incident and our emotional response or our outward response. And that it's in that pause where self-control takes over, where we we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to have a different response. Um, and I just, your, your, your words on that, your musings on that, had me go back to some of the intense conversations I've had about the vaccine mandate with people, um, and to sort of evaluate, have I practiced self-control in such a way that there's been that holy pause, where the Holy Spirit has has a, has has had space in my heart, in my mind, to um, redirect my response. So instead of having a blatant emotional response, I have more of a Holy Spirit empowered response. Um, so that's that's where my mind's whirling right now.
0: How do you know, do you know, the, you know difference? the difference? Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I think part of it is um, is am I creating space for the Holy Spirit to work through my emotions? or am I just blindly moving forward? And, and I think there's a, there's a shift in my response, right? Is it out of fear? Is it out of um, anger? And I think sometimes we know when we have holy anger or when we have self-protective anger, right? Because there's we, we move to protect what we fear will be taken away from us or we respond, um, out, out of, um, to, to prevent things from happening to us, which I think is pretty similar. So I, I think, I think we can have a sense of, uh, of our motivations. Um, and, and oftentimes I have a sense that God is, is with me and in me, um, when I'm moving towards people. And when the conversation moves people towards righteousness, towards love, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? I think there's, and goodness is in there too, um, depending on your translation. I think that's kind of what, what, one of the ways the litmus tests for, are we moving um, in step with the Holy Spirit?
2: Yeah, and one of the, one of the factors I think one of the factors about how we respond for that holy pause that you talked about is kind of our state, what's going on. Like I've noticed when my kids are tired and hungry and agitated, it's not as easy for them to have a good attitude about doing their chores or responding in kindness to a sibling. I feel like I'm the same way. If if during the pandemic, I'm fearing for my safety, I'm I feel like the world's falling apart. Politicians aren't doing what I want. My job's at uh, at uh, risk because of someone had to do some kind of decision regarding the pandemic or so on. How, how likely am I then to take that holy pause and allow the spirit to fill my heart and my mind and move it towards the fruit of the spirit like you talked about? I think I'm less likely. And so it's harder now, I think, than normal to do what we kind of know is important to do in times like this for self-management
0: there's a threat response yeah like in which we all know, you know that's your the, the reptilian brain right like that's the reaction i need to survive and you could you could be on either completely different sides of the actual issue and still have the same response you know mm-hmm. uh that your some some of your your survival our survival is a society our freedom whatever you know like it's it's being threatened and my way of life is being threatened and i'm not going to take a holy pause um i'm going to attack or i'm going to withdraw or or something like that
1: boy the other thing that you said chip that really kind of you know gave me that tweak <laughs> Ooh, something's happening there was when you started talking about um leading with your rights that one of the sub christian responses to this is leading with your rights and you talked about um sacrificing for others and putting other people's needs ahead of ourselves like i i realize i don't know the whole story behind somebody's decision um and that maybe i could lead with kindness um maybe i could put their needs ahead of my own um but boy i like i there was a visceral reaction of me when you talked about being willing to sacrifice uh, my comfort um, to put somebody else's needs ahead of my own well
0: there's a whole arc to american culture there's a there's a guy i think his name's anthony del blanco he wrote he wrote a book called america's three gods which is probably more than some of you want to know uh but he And it's maybe a bit oversimplistic, but he talks about the idea that when our country was founded, some kind of Judeo-Christian God concept of God was God. Like that's what everybody meant when they said God. And that around about the Civil War, things changed. And added to that was this idea that America is kind of God. That if it's called, he calls it America's civil religion. So we're all working together to build this nation and freedom and that kind of thing. And obviously, it wasn't universally applied, and there's some issues with that. But that's. That was the sort of second stage, and he says since the since at least the sixties, the self has been God, hmm. and that the only thing that determines whether something is right or wrong is whether it feels good for you and so if you're a Christ follower, you would say, well, i don't believe that, you know I believe that you know God tells us what's right and wrong and that kind of thing, but if we're re- it gets all even our you know kind of christian subculture gets all woven into that certain things make us feel comfortable certain things don't it often depends on what tribe we're from in the the christian world and anything that makes us uncomfortable we've been really schooled to think that that's 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 bad and um you know but you know one of the things we talk a lot about voca is the idea of calling right and i will i've said this many many times i have to remind myself to have to say it in the mirror but it's like when was anybody's calling actually easy for them? Like, when was it convenient? Like, when did it make them feel good? Like, you know, you know was it really <laughs> fulfilling? Well, there's moments of joy and a sense of, yes, I'm doing what I'm meant to do. But there's also, like, sacrifice and doubt and hard work and rejection. And, you know, it's not... It, it's 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 a kind of a mixed bag, so...
1: I don't I think... We don't talk about the discomfort very often. I, I don't think we don't talk about the sacrifice or the hard work. Um, and what does it mean to be called into community with people who are different from us, people who believe differently than we do? I, I think this is this is one of those really hard places where we have to work out our faith with fear and trembling. Yeah.
0: Yeah let's let's move on a little bit, and we can come back to any of the problem stuff, but I want to just talk a little bit about some ideas around um, maybe a way forward. Um, and so I'm thinking about a couple ideas. So one is that we need we need to solidify i I'm just going to call it a gospel center. Uh, we need to have some sense of security that is not dependent on pandemics. And government policy and any of these other things. It's, 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 it's ours. And in John chapter 13, it talks about it's to be right before Jesus washed the disciples' feet. So that's a sacrificial act. He's giving up his dignity, it's a way of actually acting out what he's going to do on the cross. And it says at the beginning of John 13 that Jesus knew that he was from God, and he knew he was going to God, and he knew that all things, he knew that God had placed everything in his hands. And it's like everything, all his security was not coming from um, himself or his circumstances, it was coming from God. And he had this sense, this base of security. So I think that that's—I just call that a gospel center, a second idea that we really need to to figure out. Uh, we always have to come back to this. We're not good at it, but it is the call to love. And we need to love our neighbor. We know that, and we then we want to say, well, who's my neighbor? You know, are the people that disagree with me about vaccines really my neighbors? Yes, they are. You know that. But we also have to love our enemies. Like, we have to love everybody, no matter where they fit on the spectrum. And, um, you know, I think that's another thing, that the lack of civility that we see often in our uh, public discourse, this lack of love for our ad- people who disagree with us, is it's just everywhere. It just feels like there's a lot of hatred uh behind things and it's a, it's different you can disagree with somebody and not hate them uh but uh and that's that's not out there and you know everybody makes their choice about this kind of thing and there's always an element i think of fear uh that's a bit behind a lot of the anger and we don't want to really talk about that but because none of us like to say yeah i'm afraid you know i'm afraid if i get a vaccine it's going to hurt me or i'm afraid if i don't get a vaccine the coronavirus is going to hurt me But it's fear you know there's a real fear there that's actually we all have fear we just maybe fear different things in this moment um i fear the government's not doing enough to stop this pandemic or i fear the government's doing way too much and eroding our freedom it's fear is underneath the surface and so how do we how do we slow down a little bit and love that person and care for them and and part of that means you know your holy pause here i think uh, pausing enough to be empathetic to whatever it is that's Driven them to whatever conclusion that they've come to. I, that's hard to do, but I think it's it's liberating. And the last idea uh, I would say um, is that this idea of letting mercy triumph over justice. And you know, justice is giving people what we think they deserve, and even when it comes to what we really deserve. Scripture says, mercy triumphs over justice. And I'm thinking a lot about Romans 14. A friend pointed this out to me recently. In Romans 14, the story behind Romans 14 is that people were coming to different conclusions about various practices, whether certain days are holy or whether certain food and drink was okay or not. And Paul says these are debatable matters, and everybody needs to do what they're convinced in their own heart to do. And don't you dare look down on your brother or sister who comes to a different conclusion than you. And so it's this idea that we let mercy triumph over just, just justice or judgment, and that we treat everybody that disagrees with us as so to, as the, quote, weaker brother or sister, which can sound like we're looking down on them, but it just means, well, they have some sensibilities that we don't. And so we're going to give them the space and the grace to have their convictions, have their opinion, even if it's inconvenient for us, even if it makes us feel a little bit vulnerable. Um, we're going to let them do it. And we're not going to look down on them in a condemning way. We're going to let them hold their opinion. And, um, you know, I was talking to a friend who was this friend, and they're on the recipient of a very, you know, kind of a very critical view of their perspective on how to handle this uh, in, in, in their context. And, you know, and she was thinking like, well, if this person is so wise, well, why can't they just treat me like the weaker the weaker sister? and have compassion on the fact that I am not as enlightened as they are about this issue, and just give me space. And so, so that's why I feel like we're missing something in all this, and that we could we could insert this idea of, of you know, our friend Yathas said we give grace to race, right? Remember that? And it's just this idea that we, we're we going to, it's going past the holy pause, to just the way we we start to reset our reaction to people who have for whatever reason made a different conclusion about what they should do with a very challenging, contentious, complicated issue and really season that we've all been on. So those three ideas that we have a gospel center, that we lead with love, even love for our enemies, and that we um let mercy triumph over judgment. And especially and then and that plays out in this idea. Well treat the people that you think are not doing the right thing as weaker brothers and sisters and give them the space to do that without condemning them so ken and sarah let's come come on back and uh let's talk about that a little bit and then we'll we'll open it up to your questions in just a minute
2: yeah well it really gets to the heart of the matter here um chip when you talk about the gospel center and you know the center of the gospel is really that uh, someone else saved us when we couldn't save ourselves and they had a better idea for how the world should work than we had. <laughs> and so and so really we're submitting to someone else's judgment about the way the world is and the way we should do it. And a lot of times, and that's, you know, the faith, it brings up faith because faith is acting as if in a situation um, where you can't really see how this should go, it's not your own judgment, you're borrowing the judgment of God and you're putting your faith and trust that his way is higher and better. And so you're gonna live as if That were your judgment. You're going to put your judgment in someone else's hands. Right. And so this is not unlike what we're doing here with with your suggestion here that you're you're putting faith in someone else's ability to make their own call in their own situation. And you're going to respect that and love them through it. Um, It just seems a lot. I see a lot of of those parallels. I, I would think Christians would already have some muscle memory for this kind of decision. You would think, but
0: do they?
1: Well, I didn't see it during the last political cycle, yeah. right? I think the the, the rise in our, our lack of civility has severely um, split the Christian church uh, very, very clearly. Uh, I think the, the, the rise of um, social media biting and short snippets so that we can quote has has led to a, a lack of curiosity about other people's positions and opinions and instead we're quick to judge and condemn and compartmentalize people and and disregard them uh, it's it was, easier it's
0: easier to
1: do that absolutely right because because then we can create this right and wrong dichotomy um and, and and have people be yes and no
2: and we like that because we're struggling for clarity Right. During this, we don't like ambiguity. We don't like things that are messy. We're trying, you know, in a time of crisis, we're looking for security and clarity and an easy way to make decisions and feel better.
0: And if it's neat and it's black and white and you're wrong and I'm right, then I feel better about myself. I don't even I don't just feel better that I've got I can check the box and that issues resolved, But I actually feel like, well, I'm the better person. So, Mm. you know, even if whatever, I'm bearing these costs or this stuff. I, you know, I, I'm just, I'm the better person. So I prop up my ego um, by by deciding that you're not just, you know, wrong in your opinion, but you're inferior in some way because you came to that opinion.
2: This, this sounds like the attitude that the Pharisees had that Jesus was so critical of.
0: I think so. I think it is. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. There's a lot of ouch in this. This is not very happy. We have to come up with something that's happy at the end of the happy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So much for it. Well, it's not a light happy hour, is it?
0: No, it's not. But you know, sometimes that happens when you're processing the day. Was,
1: I was challenged, Chip, when you were talking about our need to reset our reaction to people. You were talking about this under the um, "Let mercy triumph over judgment" and treat everyone who disagrees as a as a weaker brother. Um, uh, and I just think that that contentiousness is. Boy, it's, it's really hard to step aside from that and get space from, um, from that warlike position at this time.
0: And I, you know, there's the, there's sort of, I think, there's the, it happens at the relational level. We've talked a lot about slowing down and reactions and judgment and stuff. I think that's part of it. I also think there's another part of it. And I think that we are all, being confronted with things that matter to us that are outside of our control,
2: mm.
0: and you know, um, you know, I was talking to a family member, and they're not vaccinated, and they have reasons for that. And after listening to them, I, I kind of understand from their perspective why. Um, but I was saying, well, if I'm going to go to a Broadway show here in New York, I would actually feel more comfortable if everybody was vaccinated in that you know tight space of a theater and um you know it's just that but the truth is i don't control that you know i don't i can't control whether they are or not and um i think we're i think part of this actually this whole thing we can't control how other people are going to act you know we might we like to think we can control our government but we really that's a slow cycle right that's an electoral process blah 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 and and everybody actually on every side would probably say it's broken and flawed and problems with it they do actually Um, so in america we don't we complain about the process and we complain about the results um so because we think because i think underneath it is the sense that we should be able to get everything to be the way it should be or the way we want it to be and part of this whole thing is that we're being poked in the face with our finite our limits our our humanity that we can actually control many things that we care about and um you know we christ followers we believe will God's ultimately in control, and He's got a plan that's unfolding for the universe. And whether it's through our success or our failure or through the things that we might consider blessings and comforts or through our trials, He's still going to bring about good, and ultimately, He's going to make everything good. And that's that's actually what the Christian story says. So, you know, it's an issue. Int- we just, again, I think we're just running into some of these ways we've been formed that are kind of from a different story, you know, um, not the Christian story, but some other one that that are tripping us up. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
2: Yeah, I I think, I think you're right to point out that we don't have a lot of control. I think that, that the pandemic has made me feel more like that than ever. Um, I think I've gotten to the place where I, you know, it's been drilled into me for a year and a half, how little control I have. So I, I feel like personally, I'm, I'm on board with that idea that, um, that, that I'm spending a lot of time navigating a situation where I don't have a lot of control and trying to make the best of it um and really trying to serve other people the best I can with it but it's it's just it's difficult um I don't like this I don't like having to na- it feels like an extra layer of complexity on top of what normally is a difficult life to live even when things are you know, not in a pandemic state. Work is tough enough as it is. There's enough in the fallen world without it would feels like an extra layer of complexity to navigate through just to get to the difficult work uh, to do. So. Uh,
1: and I'm even wondering if the to vax or not to vax is is growing into a, a moral issue. All right? Is it is it right or wrong? Is it an issue of morality? I think some people would say it's an issue of mortality. Yeah,
0: yeah that's interesting. And that's, I don't, I mean, I can't answer that question. So, I don't know. I don't actually know the answer to that. Uh, we've got some questions coming in. Um, and actually, Will's question is, you know, is there a biblical argument to remain unvaccinated? And my My answer is I'm not totally sure. Um, I think that um, I've done a little bit of research on that and I I actually just don't, I think it's kind of beyond the scope of our conversation today to get get into that. I think the best people to talk to uh, would be people who are Christians in your orbit, Will, who believe that they shouldn't get vaccinated. And um, I just hear them out. I think it'd be interesting to hear what they have to say And that's part of building some of those bridges of patience and empathy and understanding. What did the poll say, by the way, Shawna? We can put that up. We haven't seen the results of the poll.
1: Well, according to our poll results, we have uh, 50% saying it's not affecting me at all. 42% of respondents said I am frustrated and angry that people are being forced to get vaccinated. And eight percent of respondents said, "I just don't want to talk about it anymore. It's distracting. Can we just get back to work?" So, but nobody, no, no one in our audience selected. I'm frustrated, scared that I might need to respond, and nobody responded with, "I'm frustrated, scared because I'm losing colleagues."
2: Um, just a correction: um, I'm frustrated slash angry that I may need to resign.
1: Thank you. Nobody said. Nobody responded that way.
2: Yeah, so this the audience skews more towards frustrating and angry because of it being imposed. Yeah, well, it's really two different
0: issues, right? It's um, my personal choice about whether to get the vaccine, and the second is whether you know, the, my employer or a government agency forces me to. So.
2: Yeah, we, we don't like to be told what to do and that we have to do it and that there are going to be consequences if we don't. But that's clearly the way the government's moving and the way the, the medical authorities seem to be moving.
1: Well, and one of the things that we haven't talked about is if there's a mandate um, as believers, as Christians, um, what is the Christian response? Do we submit to our authority, our governing authority, um, and move forward? Or do we disagree um, and employ our democratic right to civil disobedience? Uh, that I think is is an issue that we haven't even touched on here.
0: That was kind of the point of, of my question as well. Exactly what, the point you just made there, Sarah. As Christians in the face of a mandate, mm.
1: what biblical grounds do we do, do folks?
0: I, I'm vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So, so I'm trying to get the other side. Um, full disclosure, everybody. I, I guess that's my question: is as believers in the face of a mandate, what grounds biblically do you stand on to fight against that mandate?
2: Mm-hmm really interesting hi everyone um this is sue i'm not on screen um i'm in washington dc and so obviously these topics are hot and Mm -hmm. heavy and i know the decision makers in some of these cases and so we'll kind of that's what everyone is wondering like yeah we've we you know people in the military they say have had to take up to 17 vaccines before this but they're leaving now over this one i i true am vaccinated and i don't understand the reaction the emotion is it because it's just new and we don't you know we don't have a handle on the disease or the vaccine yet but i'm also hearing people say you know very far right constitutionalist people saying well if the government can mandate this then tomorrow they're going to mandate that and and sort of what's the fine line of where will we really truly lose
0: right slippery day. slope argument government decisions yes and i i mean my thought about some of that is it gets back to my control riff earlier it's a um, we have a process, political process, for dealing with those things, broken as it is, if everybody has different opinions about it. And all of us still have to go to work, and we still have to deal with this, and we still are going to react to people who think differently about it. And that's, to me, more of like the granular, day-to-day, um, where the rubber hit meets the road kind of place of, are we going to behave Christianly or not? And are we going to trust God with the larger stuff um, that we can't immediately even influence? You know, Stephen Covey has that chart. It's three circles. It's like a bullseye. And in the center is the circle of control. And then you have your circle of influence. And then outside, you have your circle of concern. And he talks a lot about how we waste tons of time being concerned about things which we have no influence over or no control over. And I, I think, you know, you have, influ- you have control over what you decide to do. Who you vote for, what you decide to do about vaccines, so forth, how you process it, what your reasons are—you have influence over the people around you, and through your vote. But we're actually, you know, that's—it's like parsing that out. I think is actually helpful, and um, figuring out what we're responsible for. Well, I I just uh, one closing comment. I would—I think this—if you want a homework assignment, go find somebody who thinks about this differently than you do, uh, brother or sister, and really listen well really listen well i think it'll it'll help bring the change could help change the dialogue but um
1: well and even that chip if i can interrupt that listening well means putting down that fight or flight reaction that comes up when you talk with someone who disagrees with you right it's it's putting it down and creating space to to understand their position before you make your position known Right, To fully explore and get curious about what brought them to that that standpoint, um, and to do that with with respect and civility, um, so that maybe they'd even be open to hearing your perspective, but but too often we shut people down too quickly.
2: yeah, and, and being okay if they're not interested in your perspective.
0: Yeah, maybe you just leave it there. maybe it's just a listening yeah. tour.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. This conversation was recorded in front of a live virtual audience and you can be a part of that audience. Register to join us and shape the conversation with your questions. You can sign up for the next live webinar at vocacenter.org webinar.